The competitions here are fierce, okay? This year, there was the NVMTA, uh, Northern Virginia Music Teachers Association Festival, that they had a Bach Baroque competition and they picked 22 winners from the whole region. Four of those winners were graduates from the Piano Express, from this one studio here. So we are producing students who are at the elite level. Um, so our foundation that we're setting is really, really strong. So I would say, again, if there's anyone listening to this podcast who, like me 15 years ago, was skeptical of group lessons, it's like, ooh, I don't know if group lessons is going to lay that foundation so that students later on can be their very best. Like th there's this idea that group lessons, internet tools, even digital pianos instead of acoustic pianos, all those things are gonna, there's gonna be damage done at the very beginning that's irreparable for the student's life. I have evidence. You can go to the NVMTA website and see it for yourself. I have proof that that is just smoke. It's, it's not real. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Hey, welcome back to another special episode of the podcast. We have another guest with us today here as we approach the end of season one. And that guest is a near and dear friend, Greg Ginter. And before we jump into it, I want to say that five or six years ago, Greg, we did a little bit of an interview together, I think sometime in 2016 or 2017. So it's going to be good to get caught up. And I wanted to bring Nate in on this because I think Nate is going to have some interesting questions. But um just as a little bit of way of introduction, Greg is a, is a good friend of mine. We met in college and about 17 years ago, yeah, 17 years ago, almost to the month, we, uh, we invented a summer camp curriculum together called the Piano Express. And that ended up turning into a uh, year-round after-school program. And a lot of cool things have happened since then. And we wanted to bring Greg on the podcast today because, you know, in, in trying to make a podcast that's relevant around the topic of seven-figure music school, um, one has to look at many different facets of what makes a good school run. What kind of programs do you run? Um, how does your cash flow situation work? How do you do team? And we've covered a lot of these topics. We wanted to bring Greg on today because it's not often that you find a teaching system, an educational system that can have far reaching impact on other areas of the studio, like the financial part, like the team part, like the teacher training part. And so, Greg, I really wanted to have you come on because. Um, you you have invented and devised such a system. And I think it'd be really cool to explore that today um, and see how that's impacted your school. So thanks for coming, Greg. And maybe as a way to get started, I'd love to maybe just give you a little bit of an opportunity here to give the overview of okay. Piano Express. Sure. Well, if I could put it in the smallest nutshell possible, the Piano Express is simply a better system for teaching group piano lessons. We've created a few strategic tools we put these tools in the hands of teachers. We train the teachers to use the tools. And the result is better leverage for success, efficiency, better effectiveness. And this is for any teacher who wants to teach groups as opposed to one-on-one -on -one lessons. 
Um, Daniel, I know that before this podcast, uh, since I don't have a lot of experience on podcasts, you kind of gave me a little coaching. You said, keep the first answer short. So all I'm going <laughs> to do is I'm going to go back in time about 15 years and tell the story from there just to keep it short. You know, I, I want to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have respect for each other. So, right, so like right. 15 years. So let me, let me start there. 15 years ago, I didn't believe in group lessons. I was mm. a skeptic. I thought that group lessons at its best was glorified babysitting and at its worst was outright thievery. Um, uh, I, the thing I couldn't get around was this vision of a bunch of students sitting in a circle and a teacher going one by one, let me give you attention and everyone else is going to wait for attention. And like, let's say if there's a class of six, well, you take 60 minutes divided by six, everyone got 10 minutes of attention. And at the end of the hour, you charge all those families for an hour of your time. And I'm like, that's not good math. That's not good integrity. I will never do that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we we invented a summer camp more than 15 years ago. And I was stuck in a little bit of a, uh, a hard situation. I had a lot of people coming in from the summer camp who wanted me as a teacher and I was still teaching one-on-one -on -one lessons. And so I had this wait list and, and I wasn't comfortable yeah. with that either. And so I was starting to lose sleep. You know, they say that necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. Yeah. And I even remembered like I, cause I was still like 22, 23 years old, single mm -hmm. living with my parents. I was thinking like, I should just move out to Washington DC where your studio was and just teach all these extra students that Greg can't teach. I remember right. us talking about that with some degree of seriousness. Right. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that changed my like blew my mind was I was at uh, a local piano retailer. They they had uh, some representatives from from Roland, the Roland mm. Corporation, come in and talk about their pianos and some of the new things that their pianos had built into the hardware. What and, year was that? Oh, I want to say it was two years after we started the summer camp. So two thousand seven, two thousand seven. Okay, then. yes, okay. yeah, that that's just about right. And uh, and and they were talking about MIDI technology and how MIDI technology could could work as like a grader. You could record songs into the piano. Uh, you could play back against your recording and it would give you like a score. And, and this was, I know there's, there's a lot of softwares now that are a handful of softwares now that'll do this, but this was brand new back in 2000. Yeah. It was hardware. It wasn't even software. And I was just like, there it is. I realized in that moment, the, the thing that, that sucks the time out of the, the teacher trying to do group lessons that just kind of robs you of efficiency is, assessment. You have to listen to every student. Did you practice? Did you practice properly? Let me hear your song. Let me give you feedback. Let me play it for you. Let me hear it again. Is it getting better? And all of a sudden it was like a machine can do that. And if a machine can do that, then, then I can spend more time teaching. And all of a sudden my mind started to open. I started to see, you know, maybe if I could create a hybrid, okay, of group, uh, a group lesson experience where we're using technology in a smart way, just simply as a means of gamifying things for, for students and leveraging better time management for teachers, this could work. And over the last 15 years, I, I, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, the tools that we've created have been a labor of love. It has <laughs> been, uh, because I didn't believe, I, I, I didn't believe in group lessons in any system that I saw 15 years ago, I had to create something that I 
a doubter from the beginning, I can proudly stand behind and, and run and operate. And so that's really what the Piano Express is. Hmm. Nate, before I bounce over to you for questions, because I bet you have a lot, um, I want to ask a question about something you said there, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> Nate's, showing, Nate's showing his like little uh, punch list of questions he's got. Um, you said, you know, you, you talked about the assessment piece. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a little bit. Okay. Um, isn't assessment isn't assessment an important part of the teaching experience though? Like you kind of, it almost sounded as if you were speaking about it in uh, maybe a little bit of a negative way. Like, oh, that's not something a teacher should have to do. Could maybe, maybe develop that thought a little bit more for me. Sure, I, I'm happy to answer this. You play the piano with three senses, right? We have five senses. We can smell taste, but we're not smelling and tasting music. We are touching the keys. We're seeing the music. We're seeing the pattern of the keys, our fingers lining up. We're using sight. And then we use our ears. Arguably, our ears are the most important sense. And I certainly believe that teachers need to be listening intently, judiciously to students. Yes. Uh, But does a teacher need to be plugged in 100% of the time um, watching a student's every move? I know that that's how a lot of private lessons work, but I've seen that that uh, with a lot of students that can just boost their anxiety. It can actually shut down children's learning processes. I think that there is a time and place to give a student a pair of headphones and say, hey, I'm going to be back in a few minutes. You know what to do. I want you to work this issue out and I'll, I'll be back to check on you. So yes, I don't leave I don't leave assessment 100% to technology, but I don't leave it 100% to teachers either. I think the right word is hybrid. We're a hybrid mm, of both. Interesting. Nate, what thoughts do you have? I, I got a lot. Greg, first of all, I love um, having you on the podcast because I just am such a fan of stories of creativity. And yours really, fa- really, honestly, it sounds so near and dear to my heart, which is like, you just, you're, you're obviously a passionate educator, right? You're you're clearly in the right, you're clearly in your zone of genius. You're doing exactly what you were meant to do. And yet for you, you're always, it sounds like you're an innovator too. You're just like, how can I innovate on this thing that I love to do? Um, And it's, it's just awesome. It's exactly what the world of education needs is innovation on something that we're truly genuinely passionate about. Um, So anyways, congrats. And I'm going to ask you a really basic question because I think our listeners need to know. Just describe specifically the what. When you say the Piano Express, technology, just give us like the one minute of exactly what a student is actually integrating with in terms of humans, tools. What do you mean when you say tools? Just be really basic for our listeners. Sure. Well, we do have some very low-tech things like paper and ink books. Like we have, um, I'll pull one off the shelf if you're watching. This is one of our books. It's, uh, um, it's got songs inside of it. It's, it's just like any method book, but we've written it so that it goes hand in glove with our software. And our software is a web platform. Uh, there's a fully orchestrated background track for every song. So students are, are playing along with a band. They don't, right. they don't feel like they're just playing this one lonely melody. And I think for beginners, that's important. They can sound more like a rock star from day one. And uh, mm-hmm. just, just with a little accompaniment, it helps with their rhythmic development to play along. Um, again, the three senses that you use with music, I, I, rhythm is internalized through hearing. 
And so you hear yeah. the, the, the steady beat from day one. Our students, I, a lot of things came by surprise when I started the Piano Express. And one of the things I was pleasantly surprised is how, how quickly our students really picked up a razor sharp sense of steady beat. Um, and, mm. and it was, it was just by playing along with tracks and um, I, you know, I, I do a lot of reading. I know there's debate on that. There's teachers that are like, I don't like having my students work with tracks, you know, music tracks. Um, mm. Really it's a music track is a glorified metronome. Uh, most teachers will use metronomes and this is a track is just a metronome that sings and plays with you. Um, so we have that. And then all of our all of our digital pianos are connected to a laptop um, with a USB cable. And so our web platform is uh, in real time interacting with the student's performance and grading their accuracy of right, right. notes and right rhythm. Right. So it's gamified, like students collect little stars <laughs> based on how accurate they are. And those stars add up over their whole book, uh, tr- trying to collect stars and passing scores. And, um, and, and so it makes their experience very goal-oriented. Um, there, there's not this, like when I was practicing piano as a child, my teacher would say, practice this and it needs to sound better next week. And I was like, you know, what does that mean? And how yeah. much do I really have to practice? Um, since we're a web platform, students can use these practice tools, not just at our studio, but at home. And so this right. is a practice tool for students as well. And so every day, if they're plugged in and using our, our system at home, practice at home is this, goal-oriented experience. There's this instant feedback. They can get feed. They don't have to wait to see their teacher. They can just play a song and instantly they can see, okay, here's what I got right. Here's what I got wrong. So that's, what, it. That, that's what is, is good for the student. Um, obviously in group lessons, we leverage that, like I've already said, for better time management. Our teachers can really focus more on teaching because assessment, the burden of assessment is being shared with the software. So what I hear you saying is you've got the traditional paper pen, Mm -hmm. right? You've got an instrument. All of these things parents know and trust when they consider signing their student up. I mean, their child up, right? But then you've added technology and then you've gamified the technology through, honestly, I would say jam tracks are actually, backing tracks are a form of gamification for the student. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've added a reward system. And so, and you've integrated it all. And so for, for me as a parent that's signing up my child, it's a much more nuanced, it sounds like, growth path. In other words, they're not just finishing a page of a book, but they're actually getting a star just for moving through a handful of measures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you highlighted something, Greg, that is honestly one of the biggest pain points we hear, Daniel and I hear all the time, which is, how to stay engaged with the student between lessons. Mm. And so what I, I wonder if you've built in yet or if it's on the, in the parking lot of, or the wish list for the Piano Express, but have you created a version of connection between the student and the teacher between lessons? Well, everything is in development. We, we do have um, a lot of, stats that the teacher can see from an admin panel. And so how many times did a child um, attempt this song during the week? How many times did their score improve? Did they pass? How many different songs did they they try to play? Um, Did they go back and attempt to play a song that they've already scored perfect on, which is a good stat. Like they must really like that song if they already 
past it. They don't have to play it anymore, but they did. You know, so we we have yeah. these stats that we keep. And so the conversation when we see the students uh, once a week can be like, hey, you know, look at what you've done this last week. You know, it's it's good discussion points. And I'll just say, and I'll jump in here. I have a unique perspective on this because yeah. obviously Greg and I made the summer camp all those years ago. Um, as Greg was developing and building this in his own studio from 2010 until 2019, uh, you know, we would have calls. I mean, Greg was the best man at my wedding. So, you know, we had the social side of, of, um, <laughs> of our relationship, but, you know, I'd get calls from Greg and, and he'd bounce ideas off of me. Obviously I'm not taking credit for the, for the, um, the labor of love, as you called it. Um, but I saw this developing is the point I'm yeah. getting at, mm-hmm. but then I have a third connection to it now. And that is after I stopped teaching, my son didn't have a teacher anymore. And so I enrolled my son in a with a piano express teacher online um, online. Yeah. And um, here's what I saw. And um, um, I think episode 23 or 24 um, it's called um, the hidden driver of retention uh, part two. I can't remember what exact episode it is, but I spent a good hour talking about my group system. Um, when Greg and I stopped doing the summer camp, we kind of went our own way. And Greg built this like incredible, like studio wide system that dealt all these things. And I, I went a little more lower. I went with a lower footprint. And so I spent a lot of time talking about that group system, but I will tell you that as good as my group system was, it didn't do what I've seen happen with my son um, being enrolled with a Piano Express teacher. He actually passes more songs during the week than he does with his teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know of any other curriculum or way of doing things in the world that can do that, mm-hmm. um, that there's actual real progress. And, you know, like our piano room is right underneath this office where I'm at. So I'm on the second floor. It's right underneath. So I hear him practicing all day long. And I hear him going along with the backing tracks. I hear him, you know, playing and improving. And um, and he'll run up here and and burst in my office. Hey, I passed another song. Um, never happened with my kids. As as easy as I made it feel for my group students, uh, assess, assessment and progress was always tied to the studio and presence with me. And I think I it was it was just fascinating to kind of see that in, in my son and, and, and see, especially in those first couple levels, just how rapidly he progressed. Um, because he would just get a song and because the, the assessment technology would accurately grade him, he didn't have that thing that I think all musicians over a certain age have. (laughs) Um, and that is, I just remember growing up and thinking like, am I doing this right? I remember Mm -hmm. being, 12 years old, having played eight years, playing some fairly difficult intermediate to late intermediate music. And, and just thinking like, I don't even know if my teacher's going to like this. I don't even know if I'm playing this right. And I was like eight years in. Yeah. And most of the time I was, but it was that insecurity that prevented me from being a little bit more adventurous and exploring on my own. And I just don't see that in my son, which is kind of cool. So I just thought I'd throw that in there as a, um, as kind of a personal anecdote of what Greg's talking about. Wow. I, I love that, Daniel. And I did, how is it that I didn't know, dude, that your studio is right beneath you? 
And all the times that you and I have recorded so many episodes, I had no idea there was a piano runner yeah. in Calvin. Yeah, like anytime that I'm on a meeting, I'm like, Calvin, you can't play the piano. Sorry, you know, like you can't do your you can't do your practice time. We we mandate like at least thirty minutes a day. Um, he's nine, so that you know, and um, I mean, sometimes he does even more than that, which is kind of cool. But yeah, he he can't play right now because it'd be too loud. <laughs> Greg, I want to I rewind tape for a minute. I want to go 15 minutes back in this podcast to a comment you made because it, it really stuck out to me when you were giving your overview. Um, and, I, and I appreciate how little faith you had in group lessons. Okay. You know, and I appreciate that you said, I really just, I didn't believe in them. Mm-hmm. And then to me, it sounds like this, you know, this Roland rep actually was a trigger that was a trigger for an aha moment for you there you were like in the whatever in the piano store and they were showing this technology and we're like wait a minute yeah um and so it i what i wrote down on my card here was like there's a solution to scale and scaling in business which is what we run has actually become kind of a dirty word right it used to be super sexy and then now we're 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 much more suspect of companies that are trying, like an Uber that's like, well, you're just burning through cash to scale and grab the whole, you know, da-da-da-da. Mm. What I love about it is that you use the word integrity. You're like, I'm not doing this unless it meets a bar for you personally. Right. So I I'm what a, I just really appreciated that in your in your in your pivot from being a sort of having no faith in the idea to really being a a de- really believing in it and saying, in fact, I believe that it's it, it could potentially be a better solution. Um, I'm curious for you personally, um, what are those core values for integrity that are so key to you when you're developing a promise to a parent? And you're just saying, listen, this is what I deliver on at the Piano Express. I, can you share some of that? Because Daniel and I talk about it all the time in the delivering on promise. Yeah. Well, I think for teachers and self-employed entrepreneur studio owners who are also also teachers, there is um, the the integrity that you teach with, and then the economics that you you run with your with your studio. Those things can be friends with each other. They don't have to be diametrically opposed. Um, I, I believe that the, the, I need, I need the next thing I say to be sound intelligent. Let me think. Take your time. We got edit. We got our editor right here. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, hang on. I believe that the the benefits from teaching group lessons well have uh, have far reaching impacts into the economic side. Um, our studio we don't have to charge families as much money for for group lessons as we would if we were only teaching private lessons. We can make good margins. We can pay our teachers better. Um, and, uh, all of our teachers can have living wages and <laughs> disposable income. They can't, they, they don't have to be the, um, uh, oh man, I feel like a lot of teachers go into a career of teaching music and, and it's like, um, 
almost like taking a monastic vow of poverty. It's just I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I promise in life to be poor and make no money. I will serve the children and teach them. And, um, you know, I, I don't ever see myself as being like a shark for money and just, you know, sm- smelling blood in the water and be like, I'm just going to do whatever I can to make money. That's not me. But But I do believe that teaching music needs to be an economically feasible option for anyone like who's going into careers. If it wasn't, and if it, it, let's say if that trends down, let's say if uh, the, the occupation of being a music teacher continues to become a less and less economically advantageous choice, less and less people are going to do it. There will be less supply in the market and probably not more demand, but if supply just is forced down, then eventually demand will dry up as well. And we will see music education as a whole start to disappear. And there's already like doomsdayers out there saying, hey, there's less kids learning piano now than there was 30 years ago, 50 years ago. And I believe, I believe from the bottom of my heart, things like the Piano Express can help that to trend back up. We can Mm. We can drop into a community, set the price point lower, make uh, a better career for teachers. More people are like, hey, I could be a piano teacher. This this could be a good option for me. And then we bring music education in a strong way back into communities. And so I really like the economic side of what I do and the integrity side of what I do. They, they are good friends with each other. They sleep in the same bed together. <laughs> they sound really closely linked. And, and what's fascinating to me too, to hear your you know, uh, your answer to that question around integrity, Greg, is that you really sound like an advocate for um, music school owners. Mm. Oh, yeah. And that's a that's a that's a unique um, headspace to be in um, because most people in your shoes are thinking primarily about um, either themselves, just how to actually get through another week running their studio, or they're thinking about their customer base, mm-hmm. the parents, yeah. you know, and then they're, and from there, the students. So it's really cool to hear you. I love that perspective, uh, the macro perspective you bring into it too, in terms of what's the ripple effect that the Piano Express can have years down the road. Um, I think we should get into the nitty gritty for a second. Okay. I think we should just, let's say we have a listener here thinking, man, this sounds amazing to me. I mean, Daniel and I have a bunch of friends who other school owners who are right now literally building group piano programs in their studios. Let's just talk about the nuts and bolts, like what's actually required? What's the initial investment? What is the space you got to build? How many instruments? What's the good starting point in terms of number of enrollments? Give us just like your three minutes, like you want to start this? Boom, boom, boom. Here's what you're going to need to get off the ground by the autumn. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to give you, I'll start with a URL. Um, the, the, uh, the place you can go to get all the details. If you really are interested, www.grouplessons.com. Um, that is easy to remember. I'll say it again, www.grouplessons.com. If you go there, you'll, you'll get like the long answer. So I can give you a short answer here. Um, you ask, Nate, you ask a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, let's start with the simple. The space is the easiest okay. for owners to conceive of. So I'll give you the short answer. Space 
The Piano Express works best if you can commit two rooms and the rooms should be at least 12 by 12. Um, the, the system works really, really well if you have one room for assessment and one room for what we call discovery, but that's teaching technique and theory. And, uh, and, and if you can split that into two rooms, two stations, then our system works really, really well. Uh, we like to work with up to six students at a time. And what else did you ask? And so, is like a, yeah, is it a 60 minute class? Give us okay. the rundown. Cause we think, you know, when I work with other school owners, um, and we're putting together forecasts, we just treat it like inventory. We just like how many blocks in any given week can I put the Piano Express? What's my enrollment going to be? How long is it going to take to reach 80 to 90% sold out? Mm -hmm. You know, we're okay. just running forecasting. So give us okay. the forecast. How, how long is it? How We can have six per how many minutes? Okay. So I work with up to six students at a time. My 12 by 12 room has six pianos um, kind of crammed into it, but it does fit. Uh, they, they all fit. <laughs> um, Students are at our studio for one hour, Love but it. I see a new group of students every 30 minutes because we work in two rooms. There's, there's students spending 30 minutes with the assessment. They are working with our software and they're working with teacher assistants. They, they are working with, um, we employ college age, high school age, um, music students to work with our um, our elementary school aged um, students that are at the Piano Express. So in the assessment room, 30 minutes, then they come into our room for another 30 minutes. So I'm seeing six students at a time, but I am seeing 12, up to 12 students an hour because we well, cycle. Yeah, cycle I love that. A new group every 30 minutes. Yeah. New, and so just to clarify the assessment, it sounds like you have um, what we at Brooklyn Music Factory call MITs, musicians in training. So that would be, that wouldn't be you, a highly trained um, master educator. It would be someone who's sort of in the training process. But then you're in the discovery room, or yes. you're okay. Got it. That's so right. that's, and you can do twelve an hour, which is totally awesome. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. And I'll even say, as like an outside observer, I was just at the studio a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, Greg talked about the two-room model, but uh, actually uh, Greg's studio um, runs up to 24 kids an hour because they have a much larger assessment room that has 12 pianos in it. And then they have two back discovery classrooms. So yes, so, what, what I just described, we have running in two streams all the time. So there's, yeah. I, I employ one teacher, two teacher assistants. We do employ a front desk person. So that's my entire staff. And then yes, our studio, we can see 24 students an hour, up to 24 students in a single hour. And so just for the math of this, everybody, that's 480 students with two teachers if you work 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it can, it can scale. 
And, uh, and, and we're still, th- those numbers sound really big, but when you get down to where the rubber meets the road, our student teacher ratio never goes over one to six. I love that. Greg, hold on. I'm going to pause for one hot second because Daniel and I are literally going to be working with a number of our mastermind clients today on the org chart, how to design your team and organize them. And you just literally gave us your org chart. You were like, I've got one administrative piece. I've got two highly trained teachers who are in the discovery rooms. And then I have two other TAs, teaching assistants. So you have a total of five Staff. People on yeah. site on any given day. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other staff, whether they're contracted or not, that are off site that are continuing to develop this? Um, and we can save for developing of the software, or whatever. We don't have to include that right now. I just okay. mean in actually running your school. Um, we have another room set aside for pri- this room that I'm sitting in right now. We we teach private lessons, right? So sometimes we'll have one other teacher teaching private lessons and, um, and, and, but that's, but that's it. And, um, our, our private lessons are for students that have graduated through our, all of our piano express method books and they're, they're, you know, they want to stay on and work with advanced music. So we do selectively, uh, agree with us (laughs) families that are ready to work hard. We'll, we'll say, yeah, sure. Um, work in this room. But yeah, that's that's it. Um but as far as like the piano express model, like the I I see my private lessons as a different almost like a different business. It's carved out and it's doing its thing over here, but the piano express it works like one machine, five staff and then yeah, we can see hundreds of students. That is fascinating and it's such a such an inspiring idea for any of our listeners that are thinking, how do I go from serving my 90 private lesson students that I currently serve with me and like three other teachers to serving 480 with just me and one other highly trained teacher plus Mm -hmm. some two TAs. It's really cool to imagine. Um, And I actually would just say to everybody listening, this is a great time to push pause on the podcast and actually ask yourself, why are you resistant to a pivot in your school when you, if you've been struggling with growth? Because I think, Greg, you're raising this really awesome story. You're just sharing a great story, which was like you were resistant, mm-hmm. right? And you've now found yourself in a completely different headspace. I'm curious how many students you see at the Piano Express. Are you doing 480? Are you doing 500, 350? Where are you at? We've, um, at times we've, we've gone over 300, uh, enrolled. We, we fluctuate between, um, about 260 to 310 during the year. Um, we, um, we have always tried, actually Daniel's, your, your numbers were, if we were at 100% capacity, that means all of our classes were completely booked full. That would be great from a numbers standpoint, but that would not be good logistically. If if someone calls us and says, "Hey, can we join our your studio today?" We're like, "Oh no, all our classes are full." If if one student graduates from level one to level two, can we move into a level two class? No, all of the level two classes are one hundred percent full. So we actually build in empty space. If a student on Tuesday calls and says, "Hey, we have to miss," like something came up, we we have like. Uh, a reason we we can't come in. 
we say, well, there's an empty seat on Friday at six o'clock Friday at four o'clock Saturday at 10. Here's three different options with empty seats. So actually logistically, um, so much pain from my life has gone. It's gone because we have a little bit of empty space. Um, it's a, it's a scheduling dream come true. And that that's one of the things, actually, I'm glad I brought this up because that's one <laughs> of the things that um, the Piano Express also is a solution for. I had a lot of pain in my life just trying to get my schedule to cooperate with my student families. And uh, since the Piano Express, that little bit of empty space, yes, we're at 310 and not 400. I'll, I'll, I'll let that money go just so I can uh, end my workday at uh, 7.30 and go home and not have to spend an extra hour figuring out the schedule. Mm-hmm. It's worth it to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's that margin. And, and, you know, Daniel and I hear all the time, what's your makeup policy? Yeah. Like, your, I mean, I can't even tell you how many emails we get. <laughs> because of our system, yeah, we can just spoil our families rotten. We can just say, hey, if you miss, there's all these other empty seats, just come to another. And, and a lot of people can't do that. But because of the way the Piano Express works as, a, as an entire system, we can, we can make the lives of our student families really easy. They come back to us and say, look, our, my kids are in tennis, swimming, taekwondo, and piano. You are the only place that we work with that cooperates with us. Thank you. <laughs> And you know what the dirty little secret there is? Mm. You're actually not doing anything. It's a fully automated system. Right, right. It's That's the thing. They think you're bending over backwards for them. Yeah. But you've actually designed a system where this is the deal. Right. You can come on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or you can, we'll see you next week. Right. You know, you're, it's not as if you're making up a new opportunity for them. Yeah. You've built it into your system, which is so awesome. I grabbed this uh, quote while you were um, sharing an insight a few minutes ago, and I grabbed it from the from from Keep, or Infu- formerly known as Infusionsoft, which is the CRM marketing software we use. Yeah. And their tagline is, do the work, do work that matters, period, automate the rest. And I just thought mm-hmm. as you were talking in your development of Piano Express, you're like, let's automate as much as possible so our teachers and our staff can focus on the work that matters. Yeah. And so I wonder if you could just for, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it up to 10,000 feet one more time. Okay. If you were to summarize in your estimation now, having done this for you know, well over a decade, mm-hmm. um, what do you think as a studio owner is the work that actually matters? Hmm. The work that matters for a studio owner. Uh, l- let me just let me push back, or let me just yeah. help you clarify. A studio owner who is also a teacher, or do you just yes. want to say a studio owner who is also a teacher? Because we're going to have a lot of listeners right now that are saying, "I have relationships with every one of my students, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid that if I adopt a system like this, I'll lose those relationships." To them, uh, they might define that as the work okay. that matters. So I'm okay. curious for you. Like, just what is the work that matters? Because clearly you have really pinpointed things that, that, right. that you care about. Well, I would say that the work that matters is inspiring children to be the best versions of themselves. And, and that does take a, a measure of care and love. And, and I would say if a, if a teacher is working one-on-one and they are afraid they're going to lose some sort of 
that I'm going to use the word intimacy with their, with their students. Mm. If they go to a one to six model, just think about kindergarten teachers who work with groups of 20 and every one of those 20 children in that class love that teacher. And that teacher loves those students. Group lessons do not rob you from that personal relationship with, with, I can tell you, um, I, I do teach, um, with my, I have students that have graduated from our Piano Express method book system and they work with me one-on-one and I have teacher, I have students that I teach in groups and I don't feel less connected to the students in groups. It is, um, that is an imagined problem. And if you cross the Mm. line, if you just hold your nose and jump cannonball into the pool and trust, um, you will see on the other side that that's not a real problem. Yeah. I love that. I, I'm going to, can I ask you a couple of other sticky questions? Of because course. this is something that I've thought about for years as we've developed, you know, big music games at Brooklyn Music Factory and our songwriting program and all these things, which is that, you know, over here in bucket number one, you make a promise as a school. You say, we promise to transform your family in this way when you enroll in our organization, in our school, right? And then you deliver on that promise through the Piano Express, a songwriting curriculum like BMF, however you approach it. But one of the levels that I, one of the things I can always tell with someone who's developed a product is when they know precisely who it does not serve well. Mm. When, because we say all the time when someone comes to us and says, our child wants to learn the repertoire. This is absolutely not the place for you. Do not send your child here. Yeah. You know, this, we're here if you want to develop the ability to write lyrics, collaborate with other musicians, and, and perform consistently every year with other musicians' original music, right? We would never take a student who's like, I just finished book three of the Suzuki method and I can't wait for book four. I would send them to my friend. So I'm curious who you're consistently turning away at the Piano Express. Who is not a good fit? Okay. Yes. So we are, because we teach group lessons, we are, by design, we are not a one-size-fits-all. I will say that we are a one-size-fits-most. Okay. Mm. And and I wouldn't say that uh, because we're not a one-size-fits-all that everyone should go, like everyone should try us because most people are going to feel at home. Mm. Uh, Love it. uh, But... We do respect the fact that, you know, there is a big um, uh, wide range of personality and even neurodivergence. And, and, um, and so I would say if anyone struggles in a classroom setting in general, then they would probably struggle at the Piano Express. And parents know if that's their child or not, because their kids have tried school. And uh, <laughs> if, if the child has had like there's children who need to be homeschooled because the the classroom environment for some reason is overwhelming for them and they don't respond well, then they probably wouldn't work well in in a group lesson of of any kind. Mm. Um, We are not for very young, we are not a preschool program. So parents that come with their two and a half year old or three year old, we just say, hey, there's, there's this great preschool program down the road, come back in a few years because we do try to teach note reading music literacy on the front end. We we try to teach that early on. So we are looking for school-age students. One of the, the categories that I think m- many of our listeners would think that group lessons is not a good fit for are the very committed. Let's say that there's a student that is just like, if you could look into the crystal ball, this student is going to be like full scholarship to Juilliard, 
you know, we better start that student from day one on a grand piano with a highly trained teacher one-on-one because we've got to let that foundation be as solid as possible. I would, uh, I, in my first year of group lessons, if someone said, is that student a good candidate for group lessons? I wouldn't know, but we, I'll, I'll just tell you the facts. Um, here in Northern Virginia, where I live, this is a suburb of Washington, D.C., there are millions of children that live in this area, and it is a competitive area. There are big <laughs> piano competitions um, in, in this region, and some of the teachers in this area, the local competitions are just the appetizer. They go on to regional, uh, state, national, international competitions. So this is the competitions here are fierce, okay? This year, there was the NVMTA, uh, Northern Virginia Music Teachers Association Festival. That They had a Bach Baroque competition, and they picked 22 winners from the whole region. Four of those winners were graduates from the Piano Express, from this one studio here. So mm. we are producing students who are at the elite level. Um, so mm. our foundation that we're setting is really, really strong. So I would say, um, again, if there's anyone listening to this podcast who like me 15 years ago was skeptical of group lessons, it's like, ooh, I don't know if group lessons is going to lay that foundation so that students later on can be their very best. Like th- there's this idea that group lessons, internet tools, even digital pianos instead of acoustic pianos, all those things are going right. to damage. There's going to be damage done at the very beginning that's irreparable for the student's life. Yeah. I have evidence. You can, go, <laughs> you can go to the NVMTA website and see it for yourself. I have proof that that is just smoke. It's, it's not real. The last thing I want to say is that the, uh, uh, I, I'm going to step back and, and just say the humble truth. The only thing that I've done is I've created tools. Hmm. Okay. Tools are only as effective as the human being that's holding the tools. And if parents come into a studio and they sense that the, the teacher or the studio owner is engaged with their child, Mm -hmm. cares about their child, they will trust whatever journey you put in front of them. Okay. Mm. I believe that that is the most important thing in, in, in my open house is not the tools that I pull out of the toolbox. It's the eye contact that I have with the child. It's learning the child's name and, 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 and talking to the child and, and being invested and, and caring about even on this first meeting that the child has some sort of small success on the piano. Parents see that, they see the genuineness of that and they trust it. I'm, I'm very humbled when I see the people that go to trash dumps and they, they pull like stuff out of the garbage dumps and they create works of art. You know, yeah. those are their tools. They can take garbage and create <laughs> work. And it's like, it's humbling for me because I try, I'm trying to create very cutting edge premium tools for music teachers. Are they amazing? Yes. Can they help? Yes. Are they the most important thing? No. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, 
Would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.